Let's pray. Well, Lord, we thank you and we, we praise you for this is the day you have made. And uh, we want to be faithful to you this morning, for you are faithful to us. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would speak life into us today in Jesus' name, that uh, we would be ever vigilant of your movement. We would go where you go. Lord, we pray against uh, shame and fear and guilt in Jesus' name that would rob us from really pursuing you in the midst of this very challenging text. Um, so, Lord, uh, be gentle with us and, and as we move through this, trying to identify what you're doing in our lives and what you want to continue to do. And so I pray that you would give us courage to go after the things you are calling us to. And so we thank you. And we praise you for you are good. You are always, always good. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. It's good to be back. I've, no one probably noticed, but I was gone for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to, for some, some much-needed rest. And I feel very rested. And had some great time with the Lord. I'm not very good with stillness, if you haven't gotten that memo from watching me. I'm not good with quiet, and I had a lot of stillness and quiet, and it was very good. Um, so I recommend it. I recommend it. Uh, when I was uh, young, and well, I am young, but younger, um, I, was, I, I was probably about 15, 14 or 15, and I was hanging out with a crowd that I probably shouldn't have been hanging out with. We've all done that at one point in our lives, I'm, I'm assuming. And um, I, I was a rule follower, and for the most part, still am. I mean, that's my first, my first reaction to anything is to follow the rules. And, uh, but I noticed all my friends were rebellious. So I thought I would, I would dabble in rebellion and be intentional about it, even though I didn't really want to. I, I grew up in a, a very supportive, loving Christian home where they didn't force me to do anything. So I, there's nothing really to be rebellious about. But I just thought, well, i got to get in with this crowd because I have a pick on me face. If I'm going to survive high school, I've got to compromise myself is what I was thinking. So here we've got this passage, and it's loaded with stuff, right? You hear these do's and you don'ts. Well, I remember at this, in this story, at this moment in my life, where my act of rebellion did all of these things in one time. Now, I've done all these things, but not all at one time. And uh, this was a really, really tough life lesson for me, but a really good one. Never lied to my mother or my dad at that point, at least not, nothing I was aware of. Um, never stolen anything. Never done anything to break the law, nothing like that. But this one day, my friend and I, we went to this store called Tower Records. Does anyone remember that store? Tower Records? I think it's out of business now. And so we're in there, and there's no one there. There's no one there. And we see something that we should probably not look at. We should probably not even think of stealing, let alone even having. But my friend talks me into stealing this particular item, and I'm going, oh, I don't want to do this. And I'm, I'm standing there, and we're looking at the shelf, and we're looking at it, and there's no one in the store. I mean, I'm looking, and I'm paranoid. I'm sweating, you know. If anyone has done anything intentionally wrong like that, you know, you're not used to it. You know that pressure, and you're, whew, you look guilty before you've even done anything, right? 
I mean, anyone who's got two cents of sense, I mean, they look at you and, and they know you're going to do something wrong. And I looked like that. And, you know, my knuckles are white and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just pale. And I'm like, hurry up, hurry up, do it, just do it, just do it. And I'm, and I'm just panicking. Just a horrible representation of rebellion. <laughs> a guy who's not done it much. So my friend, he just goes, oh, like this. And so I was his lookout. And as uh, soon as we left, all the guilt rushed in. Now, remember, I looked left and right in that store. There was no one in there except for the cashier. Nobody. And so we leave the store, and then we um, view the item that we stole and all this stuff. And, and then the guilt just keeps coming in. And I'm, oh, I'm not feeling good. I feel like i got to throw up. And so I walk home. And I open the door. God bless moms, huh? My mom's a very discerning woman. Freakishly so. Now remember, there was no one in that store. I no sooner walk in, and she goes, what's wrong? I said, what do you mean what's wrong? I'm like, I'm not going to lie to my mom. I can't lie to my mom. I love my mom. So I'm trying to just get around it, you know, without having to intentionally lie. So she says, something's wrong. Something's off. What, what is wrong? What do you mean, what's wrong? I'm still trying not to lie. And she goes, sweetie, what'd you do? And my body, I'm just like, now, I was pale before. Now I'm like transparent. I mean, you could see right through me. And I, I said, mom, I don't know what you're talking about. And I went, oh. my whole body just went like that. I just lied to my mother. And I felt this horrible, ugh, just nasty stuff on me. And she said, sweetie, have a seat. And I went, why, Mom? I didn't do anything. Lied again. And the lies just kept coming. I'm like, wow, this is getting easy. It's getting easier. So she sits me down, and she says, when you walked in, sweetie, I really felt the Lord saying something wasn't right. And she looks at me again, and I'm... I'm I'm not making eye contact with her. So she knows, you know, I can't. <laughs> Just shame, insecurity, fear, you know, fear. I didn't fear my dad. I feared my mom. <sighs> and so um, I sat there, and she goes, did you steal something? Now I'm about to throw up. <laughs> True story. She's looking at me, you need a bucket. <laughs> and I, I said, no, I didn't steal anything. She goes, did you steal something you probably shouldn't have looked at? And then I broke. And I'm like crying. I'm 15 years old. Hey, Mom, I'm sorry. You made me do it. I didn't want to do it. I just, uh. And I'm a grown man. I'm like a young adult almost. In my mind, you know, I think I'm like a, this big guy, responsible. And, and here I'm just weeping. Because I got caught in the worst way. She wasn't there. She had no idea, but she could just read everything. Because when we're in alignment, when we're supposed to be in alignment with what is good, who is God, right? And we walk out of that, those who can discern in the Spirit will see when something's out of whack. And you better believe God can tell us information even if we weren't there. You heard that phrase, oh, you weren't there, you don't know. I don't need to be there to know if the Lord's telling me. Right? 
And so um, I learned that that day and never lied to my mom ever again. No. <laughs> no. My brother, on the other hand, he tested that a little bit more. But she read him like a book, too. But he doesn't scare as easy as I do. But here, in this passage, this is, it was a long passage, right? I mean, you, you look at it in the insert and you're like, whoa, we've got a lot of work to do. And it's huge, and it's, and it's easy to get overwhelmed by what you see, and it's easy to go to a shame place because Paul is listing things that we shouldn't be doing that we all do. Because he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. And here, for the most part, most of us here are believers. So this, this message that Paul is giving applies to us, does it not? And so we see these different things, and, and we begin to, to kind of panic because we know we do them. I mean, don't say, don't live in a spirit of falsehood. Don't lie. We lie all the time, whether you know it or not. Who's ever been asked the question, how are you doing? Fine. And when you're not doing well and you know it and you say, I'm fine, right? Because you want to avoid having to be vulnerable to someone and all this stuff. What did you do there? Lie. It might seem insignificant. It might seem small. We call them little white lies. A lie is a lie. Right? So we do it all the time, don't we? I've been trying to do when someone asks me, and if I'm feeling bad and they go, how are you doing? Now I've tried, I feel like garbage. And then, you know, the, the people panic because they weren't, <laughs> they didn't want the truth. They just wanted to be polite. They didn't really want to know. And then they feel like, should I probe? Should I a follow-up? They don't know the follow-up question, how are you doing, when someone answers honestly. Have you noticed that? You're like, oh, they're panicking. Oh, what do I ask next? I don't know. And so I, if I want to get out of it, I just tell the truth because I know they don't want to proceed. But then you have some people in your life that actually really want to know, and that's good. And so um, we see here, do not, do not sin in your anger. How many have been angry and you've done some bad things in your anger? Right? We all have. We all do. Stealing. Most of us have done that. Maybe not in a traditional sense, but there's other forms of stealing. And um, I used to do it in high school. I'd steal other people's answers, <laughs> especially in math class. Right? I even stole a test, the answers to a test once so that I would not look like a failure. Um, so we do all these kind of things. But Paul says, so he sets something up here in the first few verses, and, and I want to look at this, um, because he tells us in very specific language, in verse 17, so I tell you this, and insist. Now that's a powerful word, insist. In the authority of Jesus, I am telling you, and then he says this, you must does that seem like an option when someone says, you must do this? It's not a suggestion. You must no longer, and he, he lists what we must no longer do. We must no longer live the life we lived before Christ. Now, he's telling this to Christian people because they need to know because it's easy to fall into that. We all know that. So Paul sets it up saying, we got to get rid of this old self. And he's telling you and me, you get rid of it. Does that sound like you have a choice? 
No, you have no choice but to get rid of it, yet it's something you choose to get rid of. See how that works? He's saying, yeah, you have a choice, but you almost don't have a choice because it is so vital for your life in Christ that you get rid of the old self. And I know the old Brendan comes back, especially in my anger, my frustration. Um, a few weeks ago, we talked about when we're feeling discontent and we can move to rebellion or we can ask God the question, what does he want to do? And in my anger, I always go to rebellion and think it's righteous. Now, righteousness is a, is a huge, huge point Paul's making here because he says, he says in verse 24, excuse me, let's, let's start at 22. You were taught with regard to your f- former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the, in, uh, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on it the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And this is where we want to camp today. In true righteousness and holiness. Why is the word true there? I'm asking you. Why do you think the word true is there? True righteousness. True holiness. Okay, be true to yourself. What else? Why is the word true? I mean, does it seem like they may understand a different righteousness and holiness? That there has to be a distinction? Self-righteousness. Yeah. We form, as people, we form our own understanding of what righteousness is and what holiness is, even in the church. Right? We've made God in our own image. Have you seen churches around us splitting like crazy over certain subjects and, and topics? And we have all these disagreements. We can't come into unity in the name of Jesus and agree on the word of God and what he's doing, what he wants to do. And so we have our own idea of what righteousness and holiness is. And when we're told to not do these things, when we're told to not tell lies but tell the truth, when we're told to not sin while we're angry, when we are told to not steal but do something useful that benefits people, when we're told to do these things, it's not for the sake of doing them, and we can't do them without one major principle. Holiness is not about doing things that make you holy. Holiness is about proximity to Jesus. Because the closer we are to Jesus, these things, these things that counter the do-nots, the do's that we see here, become a product of our behavior in Christ Jesus. They become a product of what our relationship is, of the proximity See, the stillness and and quietness was so good for me because I was able to press in without interruption. And when I chose to press in, I began to see things I didn't see that I was doing or not doing a week prior because my proximity to the Father had changed. Does that make sense? Holiness is not about a to-do or to-don't list, but it's about proximity to Jesus which results in doing the things that we need to be doing. I spent, after that one time, um, that story I just told, I, I spent the rest of my, my high school years trying to do the right thing without getting close to Jesus. And I ended up doing more things wrong than in, things right. 
because I was trying to do this list that was so heavy because I felt doing the right thing would define my relationship with God and make me feel better. It, it didn't help. It didn't help. And I lost friendships along the way. I compromised my integrity for a cheap price. Has anyone done that? And I look back on those years with some regret because I knew better. See, the church, we can't keep going on and on and on about this kick of just doing the right thing and just doing this list of things. And Scripture would call that the law, just doing the law. We can't just keep doing that. The law is good. Doing the right thing is good. But for what purpose? What does it come out of? Why are we doing it? See, we have this sense of entitlement. We do the right things because it makes us feel better. And I'm entitled. I deserve to feel better, don't I? I've been through these tough situations. You know, we have this ridiculous sense of entitlement. And it's prevalent everywhere that we can take this and make it what we want it to be. We can take the things of God and make it what we want it to be. This huge idea of entitlement. But that, those are hollow things. Because if we're not pressing into Jesus, then we can't truly do what he's called us to do. Imagine, imagine if your proximity to Jesus was so close that people could just look at you and just sense Jesus permeating off of you. Have you met someone like that, that is so in love with the Father, that when you look at him, you just feel safe, you feel good. And so when, they, when they're honest, when they're helpful, it it has even more power to it because it comes from the Father's heart and not one's own desire to feel good about themselves. Does that make sense? It was interesting, and I wasn't sure if I was going to share this because I hadn't processed it. And so some of these facts could be wrong. So I, but it's just follow my line of thought here if you can. We have um, the dwelling place you know, with Diane and Jody, that has, the shelter that has been a huge blessing. And I was listening this morning um, on the radio on 97.1, right? What's the, that station called? Does anyone know? Okay. It's a, it's a secular radio station. Cities, yeah, 97.1. And I hear these women on the, on the radio being interviewed about the shelter they went to and how they got healing there and some healing there. And all the language was about they found everything within themselves and relied on themselves and... It was, it was good stories, but it was missing something. And the healing they got was more so being relocated and feeling safe rather than feeling safe in the, in the arms of the Father. And there's a difference there. Do you see it? It doesn't mean it's not good. It's done good things. But when we're closer to the Father, everything we think is good becomes better. It becomes better. Because he is good and him alone. So when we're told here um, to, uh, where am I here? Excuse me. Do not steal, but do something useful with your hands that serves the people of God, that creates something good. Well, God is the ultimate creator, yes? So if I do something that's kind of creative, on my own, 
But yet I press into God and I say, Lord, what do you want to do? And his creativity pours out of me. How much more do you think that will edify the body? Tremendously, won't it? Tremendously. Last week, I wasn't here, but I, I heard about it. And Mark talking about pumping up the body. Is that, is that correct? Yeah? Showed a picture of Arnold in all his glory. Right? I had to do it. I asked him if he did the voice. He said no. So I had to do it for him. Not very good, but I tried. What did you hear last week? What did you leave with? Test time. What? Vikings? Okay. What else? What do you remember from last week? I wasn't here. Okay. Well, from what I've been told, you have, Sandy, I'm a bodybuilder, right? Paul is giving us, that, that puts it in great perspective. Paul is, is showing us in the first few chapters, as he said probably last week, of who we are in Christ Jesus, right? Who we are. And then in the, in the following chapters, what that looks like laid out. And uh, and in his passage, talking about what those different gifts look like, how we utilize them. Do you find that we abuse those? Pastors abuse them? I can't tell you how many pastors are going down. It's really heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking because pastors become isolated because they can get lost in the doing and the expectation of fulfilling everyone else's expectation on them. And they become lonely and they do not they do not go to the Father because they're isolated. They're, it's a lonely place. And you, have that, you can have that with any gift. And if we don't learn to, to move closer to Jesus and step into holiness, then we cannot do those things that we've been called to do in the way he's called them to, us to do them. Pastors shouldn't be isolated, right? They're shepherds. It shouldn't be all on the pastors either. You're here to train, to equip, to release you because of your relationship with Jesus and because of your proximity to the Father that now you're going to step into your call in your life and that's body life, building the body up. And now Paul's saying, here's some things that can get in the way. You've got to step into true righteousness and holiness, which is stepping into Jesus. You have to seek after him all the time. And pastors and elders and leaders of the church cannot do that for us. Paul says here, you have to get rid of the old self. And you know how to do that. Step into Jesus. Well, what does that look like? In the word, in prayer. Now, I, I, I had a conversation with some family um, over a vacation time. And it's interesting. More and more conversations about things that are happening in the world and how the world is in infiltrating the church, and we all know those different controversial issues. We understand them. And even churches that I've been uh, privy to, uh, even on our mission trip, I am astounded, I am astounded by how many don't know the Word and do not rely on the Word of God. When we do not rely on what God says through His Word, when we don't saturate ourselves in it, then things get funky. Don't they? <laughs> right? We warp everything. And I had these conversations 
because with my, some of my family who are not Christians yet, they're on their way. They may say they're, they're Christians, but we're talking about Christ followers when we say Christian, right? They have given their lives to Jesus, and they had some tough questions. Why do I see this when I know that Scripture says this? I said, because our proximity to Jesus is way off. We've stopped relying on him and started relying on ourselves. And when we do that, when we do that, that's when tough things happen. A great example of this is in Luke chapter 10, 38, 42 with Mary and Martha. We know the story, many of us. It's almost getting me teary right now. Here you have this scene, this beautiful scene of Jesus and his disciples being um, ushered into the home of Mary and Martha. And Martha is doing all these preparations um, as a woman of her time should. And she's preparing because here's Jesus with his disciples. That's, that would be exciting, intimidating, scary. All at the same time, probably all these different emotions. The Messiah is in your house. Whoa, what do you do? Well, you start prepping to have a party. Who wouldn't, right? Sunday best. We would, man, we'd have everything rocking here at Bridgewood. If Jesus in the flesh was sitting right here teaching his disciples, wouldn't we? We'd have a buffet line as far as you could see. We'd have party poppers. We'd have the kids go nuts. But guess what? That takes preparation. It takes time. And Martha was all about that. And you know where Mary was? Where was she? At his feet. Now he says this. Martha goes, Lord, why aren't you having her help me like she should? Because she's chosen what is better. Boom. (laughs) Right? What did she choose? To be where he is. She closed the distance. Her proximity to Jesus was right where, right where he was. And he said, this is better. All the things you're doing, Martha, they're good, but this is better. So we can try and do the right thing and all this stuff. But it's not as good as being where he is. And sometimes it can be hard to stay there when we're trained to always be moving around like myself. I cannot tell you how refreshing it was to be still. Shanna was worried about me because I didn't say much the first week we were on vacation. She thought something was wrong. She said, I had a great time, but were you okay? I said, babe, I think for the first time in my life, I was able to just be still, be quiet, and see what Jesus was doing around me without always trying to catch up. And that was huge because I felt the proximity between me and Jesus close. And I could feel his goodness in a way I hadn't experienced in a long time because I got lost in the preparations. I got lost in preparing for Jesus and his people rather than being with Jesus and his people. Do you see the difference? And we all have things in our lives where this is not to shame anybody. This is not to shame anybody. Because what we can easily do is see this laundry list of 
do's and don'ts, and in our legalistic brains of the do's and don'ts can say, I have really fallen short. Well, yeah, you have. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But through Christ Jesus, we have redemption. And now we take off that old stuff, we throw it away, and we step into him. We step into Jesus. Beyond just the, the decision to follow him. Anyone can say, I believe in Jesus and I want to follow him. It's another to actually do so. And following Jesus isn't all about following his commands. It's being where he is. Man, do I want to be like Mary every day and be at the feet of Jesus. I really do. I really do. I know what grieves my heart. I know where my sin areas lie. Am I ashamed of them? Yes. I don't like them. But I cannot allow my shame to separate me from the love of God. I have to step into the new life that he gives me every day. Every single day. And we're going to go into a time of, of worship here in a minute and the offering. And Do you understand why we have prayer teams? Do you get that? If you don't, I want to clear something up right now. It's not just so you can feel attended to. That's great. Those are good things, right? To feel that someone's with you. But to really be with the body and come before the Father and say, Lord, what do you want to do? I've got these things. What do you want to do? And now you have people with you that are interceding on your behalf to fight it with you. To press into Jesus with you. And we have all these different things that we suffer with here. We all do. And that shame can weigh on us. So what are the things that you feel are separating you? What are those things of your old life that are still on you, that are still separating you from stepping into God in his holiness and righteousness? What are those things? And I want you to be asking God. You already know them, probably. And we're going to have opportunity to confess those things. That's scary. Oh, Lord, I don't, want, I don't want to be vulnerable. Well, guess what? You're not vulnerable. You're not going to get work done. That's the hard truth, isn't it? Lord tells me every time, and I try to practice this, and if I don't, you tell me. But every time I'm up here, I've got to expose what's going on in my life so I can have no excuse. Because I don't want to be one of those pastors that isolates myself in my sin. I want people to know what I'm going through so that they can walk with me. So that I have nowhere to go except for Jesus. Except for Jesus. So this is opportunity for us in this ministry time to step into what Jesus is doing. Is it scary? Yeah. It is sometimes. It really can be. But God is good. And he's put people here that want to walk with you. Want to love you because they love Jesus and they are loved. And maybe you need to forgive someone, as it says here. Whatever it may be, this is a time for us to do work as a family, to close that proximity, to really step into Jesus so we can look more like him. I don't want to be a fraud. I don't want to be an attention getter. I want to be authentic in Christ Jesus and fully step into him. Let's pray.
wow, Lord, your yoke is easy and your, your burden is light. And I pray that we would feel that right now. You are a good and faithful God. Lord, some of us have been stuck. Some of us in running the other direction from you. Some of us um, have been running the race right towards you. But wherever we're at, Lord, I ask that right now you would give us the courage to step out in faith and do the things you've called us to do. Some of us might need to confess something. Some of us might need to just um, be with someone. Just know they're not alone. Some of us might need healing. Whatever it may be, Lord, may we feel the safety of your presence in this place today so that you can do a good work in us. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray as, as we take the offering with the gift of faith that you've given us, that we would give to you whatever you're calling us to give out of faithfulness. Because it is always about you. There's always more money. There's always more time. Because you are the ruler of all things. You are the ruler of all things. So we submit to you in Jesus' name. We submit. Our lives are yours. And so, Lord, I ask forgiveness for any entitlement that I feel and where I try to take my life back from you. It's yours. You decide, not me. So we thank you, Jesus. We praise you. Lord, I just pray we would rock out in the name of Jesus. In our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and our bodies. Because this is the time we have. May this time be good and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.